tuning in to today's episode. I'm really excited to be chatting to Jen Everson, who I'm sure is going to become a regular on the Dobcast. Jen and I are going to be chatting about one of our favorite topics, strategy. So we're going to be sharing our top tips for creating a successful digital marketing strategy and the key components that go into it. Jen's also going to be sharing with us what she's learning at the moment and her one piece of advice for how you can be prepared to do your best online. Hi, and welcome to our next episode of the Dobcast. Today, I'm very excited to have Jen Everson with me. I've been lucky to know Jen for about four or five Five. years now. Five years. Five years. Um, And we've worked together in a number of capacities and Jen provides our social media training at Scout Digital Training, so manages our workshops there. Welcome, Jen. Hello. Um, So first thing, Jen... People might have picked up by that little hello that you're not from here. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> Can you give us a little bit of a background about how you've come to be in Adelaide and also doing what you do in digital marketing right now? Sure. Um, well, as Erica said, I'm not from here. I'm from Seattle, Washington. Originally, I've been in Australia for um, just over six years now. So um, why am I here now? Because I love Australia. My husband's Australian, Ooh. but I actually convinced him to move here. So um, I, I did. A lot of people assume that he He brought me. Together. No, so. me and, and we brought the dog. So it was the dog and I teamed up. We were like, let's move. Um, as a kid, I lived in Papua New Guinea for a bit and I loved the Southern Hemisphere weather. So of course, I'm going to jump on the chance to like come move back down this way. And then work-wise, yeah. So I've been in the digital marketing space for about 10 years now. Started my career at allrecipes.com, which is, uh, for some of you who may not know what that is, it's basically uh, the world's largest website, and they're orange. So I'm always like, it's the orange recipe site. People are like, oh, yeah, 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 I've been there. <laughs> I um, love orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so started there, was lucky enough to be able to build out their social media strategy, which they still utilize now, which that is great to really see. really exciting, such a great experience. Yeah. Kind of cutting edge time. We think about when yeah. social was really young, up. very young, um, and it was a time where there weren't a lot of fan pages and being in the digital space and obviously working for all recipes. All recipes is is based on UGC contents, user generated mm-hmm. content, and it was. I think for me, it was one of those the penny dropped. There are thousands of pieces of content. Like, how can we repurpose this That's um, so it's just not on the website or not on email marketing? Right. So I was lucky enough to start there and then uh, moved to Australia, um, got picked up by a winery. So that was fun. I have been lucky enough to work with some really great brands, both of which on the company side, um, you know, their communities do crazy things like get tattoos of the logos and <laughs> some stuff that you, you know, usually can't even purchase, get yeah, people to that buy. Kind of brand yeah, is what a lot, yeah. Of, a lot of brands strive for. Yeah. And I think because I started my career um, with communities like that, it's always kept me quite excited about the opportunities when working with um, clients or seeing what brands want to do within the social space. Um yeah, so then Eric and I worked, we worked for a little we bit did. together, yeah, and then, yeah, I've been doing consultancy for a couple of years now, so it doesn't sound like much, but yeah, I was just looking at my LinkedIn profile, just over 10 <laughs> years I've been in my career, which is oh, kind of crazy. I do have get to, prompted to uh, congratulate you, so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. I do have to give a shout out to my sister, though, because she's actually the one that convinced me to get a Facebook profile, 
So she always says, I kicked off your career. Um, so yeah, shout out to you, Kyung. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And you, you, you've worked obviously with some different brands over that time yeah. with, from, uh, from a consulting perspective, there's working with a lot of different types of organizations in different industries and sizes and scales. So I know a lot of the conversations we have, uh, about digital and how different organizations can make best use of digital is, um, they're interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I always thought that I'd be kind of always company side, never on the other side, consulting side or agency side, um, however you want to say it. But I think for me, starting on the company side, especially at All Recipes, because social was so new, obviously they did digital because they were a website company. Um, but because social was so new when I was introduced to it, it was doing things like working on a lean and mean budget, even though I'd have a budget because if budgets need to be cut, mine was the first one to be cut. Yeah. And so I think it's giving me, um, kind, I guess, perspective on, you know, or not perspective, maybe realizing the opportunities, even if a company or a brand doesn't have a lot of money, there's still a lot of really fun things you can do mm. to engage with your audience. Yeah, and I think there's definitely that understanding of not necessarily just the budget limitations mm. that organizations have, but the structural and the resourcing and sometimes the politics that go into oh, it yes. as well, that as an external marketer or consultant, it's easy to, you know, it can be easy to say this is what you need to do and these mm. are the recommendations, but having that perspective of what organizations are struggling with and trying to balance internally yeah. is a huge benefit, I think, with the, with what yeah. you bring to your clients and work as well. Yeah. So. But one of those things that we think relates to all organizations, which we're going to talk about today, yes. one of Jen and my favorite topics, strategy. Yes. So we thought this is a really good time of the year, um, you know, end of the year, start of the year, really any time's a good time for yeah. strategy. If you don't have one, it's always a good time to start with a strategy. <laughs> always good to start with a strategy. Um, and I think even if you do have a strategy or some kind of strategy or structure, it's always good to review and revisit it as well. So today we just wanted to have a chat through the um, strategy process that, that we both take and look towards when developing digital marketing strategies, but can be related like specifically looking at social mm. or even extend extended more broadly to look at at marketing. It's um, We're just going to touch on all of those key components uh, so that you can either start one. Yes. <laughs> Or update one. your current one. Um, so you've got that that great platform to either start the year strong or catch up at some point during the year as well. Um, and we do have a diagram, our strategy diagram, available for download on the website. So you can check that out through the show notes as well um, and possibly a few other resources and links that we're going to mention as we go. So first of all, what is a strategy? A strategy Helps you get your shit together. <laughs> Tells you why you're doing it. Should have given a language warning. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I don't think it's the first time we've actually actually dropped anything. But yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's it's an organisational document. Yeah. really, it's a plan. Um, and I was even talking about this with a client this morning that we were joking about how a lot of strategies, you know, people go, yeah, I've got a strategy. Where is it? It's over there on the shelf. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so sad when people do it that. It is. It is. So it's a bit of a struggle because we like our strategies to be living, breathing, dynamic things. Mm. Um, and certainly over my career, what I've found is I've 
try to, while there are a few aspects that we're going to be going through, seven, I think, seven we're going to touch on, um, it is about making it something that, that can be quite flexible and dynamic because we are in a time, particularly in regards to digital, where it's not necessarily feasible to have a set in stone five-year yeah. plan. doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah, um, I, th- I think not even not even just with a digital strategy, because ideally, when you start a digital strategy, you are pulling bits and pieces from your business strategy or yes. your business plan, which trickles down to a marketing strategy. So all of that ties together. But, you know, yeah, like you said, it's it's always changing this day and age, mm. like things are moving fast. So and fast. Um, and that's OK. Change is OK. You just need to learn to um, and you just be able you need to be able to pivot. Yes. Yeah. And I think and having a strategy and the components we're going to be talking through, knowing what they are, and this is one of the things, probably jumping ahead a bit, but um, having a firm strategy does allow you to assess opportunities when they come up quite quickly. That's mm-hmm. part of having that strategy front of mind is you can quickly go, does this align with our strategy? Yes or no? Can we afford it? Yeah. What have you? Um, and then make that decision to add it in or, or move it on as well. So um, so it is really a plan for how to achieve your goals. And there's different ways of actually documenting and formula- formulating it. Um, but, yeah, we'll be going through the um, – I should know this number – seven <laughs> aspects. Yeah. Um, seven key components of a strategy. So kick off with the first one. It's all about – establishing aims and objectives. This is one that I bang on about a lot. Um, And some people might use slightly different terminology. Sometimes it's just about your business goals. And like Jen said, it's really important to have it aligned with your business goals, your overall business goals, rather than having um, a social strategy or a digital strategy that sits completely separately. Um, But the the reason that I like looking at aims and objectives together is that aims are more broad and general and your objectives are really specific and measurable. And that's the actual definition of the term. So one example that we often use to start in a lot of our strategies is a lot of organisations want to develop brand awareness, which is an aim. It's a broad general. We want more people to know about who we are and what we do. Um, But then from that, you can start to develop some specific objectives that are quite measurable, which is important with a strategy because then you can assess whether or not it's working. (laughs) If you're headed in the right direction. (laughs) Um, And objectives for an aim like brand awareness might be achieving a particular reach on social media Mm -hmm. or increasing our Facebook followers by X amount Mm. or increasing engagement rate. Yeah, engagement rates. Email subscriber database. You've started to get some really specific things there that automatically lend themselves to some activities that are going to fall out of your strategy. So that was a quick one. That was a quick one. <laughs> Though this is one we actually find it's it's worthwhile spending the time on it to get um, some real clarity about what it is that you want to achieve. Yeah. And I think obviously you can have a ton of aims and a ton of objectives. And if you do find that when you're pulling a strategy together, you know, oh, crap, we've got like 20 goals or 20 aims think about maybe prioritizing those because mm. those can change throughout the year as well, depending on what you have going on with 
within the business or within your marketing calendar, what campaigns are happening. So your strategy should be flexible. And I always say that at the start of the any of the workshops or anytime I'm talking to a client about strategy, because things can change over time. And so you can have a lot of aims and objectives and some may be top priority one season or one quarter, one half of the year, while the other ones get deprioritized. But it's it's okay to have your strategy be flexible that way. Um, you've at least got it somewhere hmm. in the cloud, hopefully not printed out sitting on a shelf. Um, that you stuck up on the wall. Yeah. Somewhere you can see it. Yeah. That you can go back and make, make those adjustments as you need. Hmm. But then you're knowing why. You know, why, why you're making those adjustments and who you're talking to. And and there are going to be different emphasis on, on different aims as well. So when I mean, we did use that example of brand awareness, and that's something that does relate to most organizations and can really be an ongoing thing that if you are engaging in regular marketing, generally it's going, mm. some brand awareness is going to fall out of it. And mm-hmm. that could be something that runs throughout the year and rides off the back of a range of activities, mm-hmm. whereas there may be some more specific sales-based goals or targets that need very specific engagement tactics related to them. So that that priority level can be there, even though they can also relate as well. So um, so what we always recommend, and, and like Jen said, when she runs this as a workshop, is actually spend a lot of time thinking about the business goals and then from that trying to distill some broad and general aims and then for each of those some specific and measurable objectives that come out of that so one yeah tick tick (laughs) um second on the list target audiences yes this is so important you can't well for the most part 99.999 percent of the time you're not going to be talking to everyone on the internet no it's it's not going to happen um, you know, there are certain people that need your service or your product, whatever you're offering up. And so you really need to think about who they are um, and what their journey is to either learn about your product, purchase your product, purchase your product again, you know, all of those things. And so Refer big, your product to someone else. Yeah, maybe um, a big part of the strategy. I mean, all of these dot points are big parts, but um, I like to spend a lot of time on target audiences and customer journey. Um, you can't have more than one target audience. So we do, but we break it out into primary, secondary, and potentially tertiary if need be. Um, and again, just like your goals and objectives, this can change seasonally as well. Um, but think about one question I always ask is, um, okay, who's your target audience? And someone will give me a spiel of who they want. And then we go and look at who they're currently talking to and you're worlds away. <laughs> it's like, oh, Facebook, that is our target audience. And I'm like, you've just described ABC and what we're seeing on Facebook is XYZ. So a strategy is going to be very helpful <laughs> to get you closer to ABC. What do you find in those situations? Do you think it's more that there's a disconnect with who they like their perception of who their audience is is different like are they I mean it might not be a sentence don't answer for everyone but um if if that's who they tend to be attracting on Facebook is it more that oh we didn't actually realize that's who our audience is or what we've been doing and the way that we've been projecting ourselves is not attracting the people that we really need to be I think it's a mix of both I think the first thing is some people realize that they can't like Facebook Obviously, you can put a lot of information into it, and we don't really talk about this today, but the advertising platform, which I love. Facebook and I have a love-hate relationship, which I'm sure anyone who 
you know, manages face, Facebook for clients or, you know, you're doing it for your own brand. Everyone has a love-hate relationship with Facebook. Um, so you can put a lot of things into Facebook. So if I'm running an ad and I'm targeting, you know, women between 24 and 34 with maybe a higher disposable income that love the color pink, I don't know, um, you can put all of that in, but it's really hard to pull that information out. So I think some people forget to do small things like look at the insights on your mm. Facebook page to see, you know, what is that the demographics between um, men and women or even age range. Mm. Um, and yeah, and you'll find that the way that the, your brand personality, which we'll talk about soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what you're portraying now yeah, isn't really capturing that target audience that you have in your head. Um, but there are also other tools that I think people just aren't aware of. And they probably just don't have time, to be honest. The, like, the, it's, this it, does take time. We yeah. should actually preface with that doing this properly does take some time, but it also saves time. Yeah. And is well worth the time invested. Yeah. Because um, yeah. a couple of other things you can do with the target audiences, and I've been doing it a bit more with Google Analytics, is activating um, – the insights you can get in de- um, demographics and interests. So yes. Google Analytics can hook into Google's massive other platforms yeah. and pulls in their advertising insights. So where it can match up website visitors with their other online activity, you can get a bit of an idea again about, you know, who are the kinds of people who are naturally coming to our website mm. already. The thing to keep in mind with that is you're not capturing 100% and often I'm finding it's about 50% of people who have opted to share that. But it does give you a bit of an insight as to, okay, who are we talking to at the moment? Um, but even just observing, I think, you know, they're looking at your customer list, yeah. looking at your your best, you know, who are those people that you deal with who keep coming back, keep buying, keep referring, mm-hmm. um, you know, give them a name. Yes. Use their name, create a persona. Oh, yeah, what they do. Um, I love creating brand personas, customer personas. I think it's a good idea to do that because – Sometimes you can become kind of, I always say this, like focus group of one. I don't want to be a focus group of one, but I think that my, but you really need to take the time to step out of yourself and think about, okay, if um, John, who's 32 and, you know, he's a tradie and this is his occupation, he lives in this area, what kind of things would he be doing, not just within the digital space, but some of the things that we talk about in the workshop is, you know, what what are some of the things that they would do during the day? What would be some of their personal go- goals? How do they look for information? Which isn't mm. always via Facebook or Instagram no. or whatever it is. There is other parts of the internet, yeah. um, but there are other things. Siloed yeah. Um, solo. Yeah. Um, so it's really thinking about the person as a whole instead of just oh, when they come to Facebook, they're going to do this. I find the target persona is really helpful as well for, like you said, thinking about what people are doing and even breaking it down into the times of the day that they're doing it. And that can be, it's getting a little bit down the track, but when you come to actually scheduling your content and Mm. activating some of these different engagement tactics, um, knowing what kind of person they are can help you understand, you know, are they shift workers? Are yeah. they, you know, parents? Are they doing school drop-off? Are they catching public transport? Yeah. What What are they doing at these different times that these messages are going out as well? And obviously it's not going to capture 100% of people, but having that really clear idea of where people are, what they're doing and thinking at that point in time and having a picture of them when you're crafting your updates, when you're crafting your messages and testing as well mm-hmm. is, is really going to help with them. Um, the success of the overall strategy. Yeah, and with those bre- like an example, I got an example. It's it's all and it's all recipe, all recipes example. So obviously a bigger brand, but um, 
they do go through the exercise of creating brand personas. And I, I think that's something that they still do regularly because, you know, audiences can change over time. But on the website, what we figured out, well, they knew for a long time because All Recipes, All Recipes has been around for a long time, um, was peak time for traffic was around 4 p.m. So you've got your full-time, you know, mom and dad, mom or dad, um, who also have to pick up the kids, but then it's like, oh, crap, I have to get dinner on the table. So when I started looking at when I wanted to post um, content or kind of prioritize the content of main meals, it was right before that peak time that they would be going to the website because that was part of the brand awareness. They're probably perusing Facebook, and then it's just planting that seed, inspiring them to here's a quick and easy dinner tonight for you and the kids. And then, you know, our objective there was website traffic. And that's such a valuable example of an engagement tactic that falls really easily out of knowing who you're talking to mm-hmm. and knowing what motivates them and what their journey is. And mm-hmm. so, again, investing that time, we'll probably harp on about these first three points <laughs> um, a bit more than the others because, honestly, if you spend the time to establish that understanding of aims and objectives, your target audiences, mm-hmm. so who you're actually talking to or trying to attract, um, and then the third one, brand personality. Yeah. Often a lot of the other recommendations I find almost answer themselves yep. because you you have these these three main points answered. Yeah. So quick well, sorry, quickly before we jump into brand personality, customer journey. So I said we I oh, talked yes, about that yes, for yes, two yes, seconds. Journey. Um, so this you know, you could do a Google search on customer journey and there's lots of grids and outlines and things that you can utilize. But if you, you can, include one to download, yeah, for show notes. <laughs> if you've never created a customer journey, um, I always include it in a strategy. And when I think about a customer journey, it's not just their digital journey. Um, you need to think about, um, you know, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they're doing, and what are the various touch points you have. And those touch points could be word of mouth. It could be an internet search. It could be an email. It could even be printed collateral. So I work with some clients where they do still do traditional um, kind of marketing or traditional advertising and they, you know, print stuff in the newspaper or Mm. magazines or whatever it is. So we include all of that. If it's a school and there's a mom's group, there's word of mouth right there, you know. So, and then think about when your target audience, when they become aware of, why they need your product or your service or um and then considering using you the decision to to use you and then reflection so in the workshop we do a couple of these but um you can spend a lot of time on customer journeys i always say you need to at least do one that is a negative outcome so ah. you're prepared because everyone thinks like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this strategy and it's all gonna be like you know roses and yeah. but there are times and it, it is the way now that sometimes uh, like an easy example of this is people go to restaurants the waitress or the server asks them how was your meal your person says yes great lovely they go home and they rip the restaurant a new one yeah. online because I think people are just getting comfortable in front of a screen and so you just need to be able to. Um, be ready to have kind of a response or um, a way to not deal with them, but to engage them to hopefully turn that situation around. Mm, that's so true. So it's always been like a crisis plan yeah. and some um, prepared responses, particularly for social, into into those aspects. Um, so yeah, lots to yes. think about there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the customer journey, yeah, 
matrix because um, yeah, we, we included downloaded that as well it does kind of do my head in a bit when I'm trying to do it because trying to put yourself into all those different hats so having some yeah quiet time and space yeah. I think can be really really good and yeah, getting yourself into the headspace yeah. is worthwhile all right tick I talked about customer journey <laughs> I got it in there <laughs> Um, three, number three on our strategy key points is brand personality. Yes. So this is a good one. I think this is a good one to use because, especially for social, because social is a very surprise social place to really? be. Whoa. Mind blown. <laughs> we often huh? forget about that, don't we? I know. And I think because it's a widely used platform now, not, I'm not saying a lot of brands do this, and I'm not saying not that many brands do it, but people do get comfortable. And sometimes I see when I see an opportunity with brands, but then I'm like, all you're doing is pushing out sales messaging. Yes. It, it, that's not what that social space is meant to be used for, really. Um, it's really about building your community and engaging with your community um, so that they – hopefully become brand advocates for you. So when they're out doing the other things within their customer journey, like chatting with their friends or making recommendations or whatever it is, um, you know, your brand is top of mind. So brand personality, we really sum it up as to, you know, if you, if your brand was a, was a in real life person using social media, um, what would they sound like? How do they feel? Um, why, what do you, how do you act? What do you do? What, what you do? Another benefit that I find with establishing this brand personality is that it can help separate from the individuals who might be managing the marketing as well. So sometimes, I mean, that might be part of the strategy is having the people within the organisation um, creating and sharing content and maybe even if they're writing as the brand, you know, you'll see some yeah. um, organisations will sign off with their individual names to make it quite clear that their, their staff are a key part of their strategy. But if they have this overall brand personality that's really well documented, it can be easier for someone else to jump in and different people to write the updates, mm -hmm. manage the content, have that handover if somebody leaves and someone new comes on board that you don't have to go back and completely reinvent the wheel because we're like, well, this is the types of phrases that we use. This is the types of you know characteristics and yeah. traits that we portray in our updates and the way that we respond to people. And if that's all documented, it makes it really easy for that brand to have the consistency mm. independent of who is managing it for yeah. them. So we actually like with the brand personality, I do always encourage people to write down like actual personality traits and characteristics. So are you friendly? Are you humble, knowledgeable, all those types of things? Um, you know, those are easy, easy ones to pop down. And usually it's just like a dot point list. And, and that grows over time as people start putting the effort into this strategy and come back and refine it. It's like, okay, let's go over our brand person. We've been doing it this way, but we've noticed that because we've made this slight shift or whatever, we've added these traits or characteristics to our brand on social. Um, we just document that in the strategy. But, you know, an example of this would be um, I do some work with a pub in the Outback. And at the start of this, it was I just asked them, you know, why are you the why are you the person – I should take to the Outback with me. Like, I, I don't know anything about the Outback. <laughs> this is probably a really good example. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, why would I want to like your page? Um, 
or, you know, engage with you on social media. And the way we position them is that, um, you know, they are the friend that you want to take to the outback. They're informative, knowledgeable, um, you know, but they're not stuffy about it. They're not, they're not going to, for me, for example, they're not going to be like, oh, you're just an American. Like, you don't know what you're doing. They're actually, um, welcoming. The, yeah, they're welcoming in the, the way that they engage with their community and put content out actually makes you feel inspired like i can do it they give me confidence and so that's what you want to think that's about the kind of friends you want on social yeah, exactly that's the kind of friend i want in real life <laughs> um so when you come when it comes to your brand voice and brand personality think of these things that you know why why would someone want to be friends with you have a cup have, have, it doesn't have to be a beer it doesn't have to be a wine a coffee like why would they want to do this what can you offer them that some of their in real life networks can and i guess we do see some examples like the big examples with like wendy's or something yeah. particularly oh, on twitter wendy's. i love wendy's on twitter <laughs> um, and those brands that do take it to that nth degree with being like you know they've obviously got that license and it's within their strategy to be a real <laughs> smart ass yeah. And do a lot of the stuff a lot of us wish we could. Yeah. And doesn't, I mean, that's a, an extreme example, but one that um, a lot of people who have seen their stuff, if you haven't, go and look it up, can often relate to. But it is just yeah, finding that, that unique position so you don't – I mean, the internet is noisy. I know. There's so much stuff there. Yeah. So to have that, that voice that rings true so you're not just another bland face in a crowd, face yeah. in a crowd or a – like nameless, faceless logo, like why would people want to be friends with you? What's going to make them seek out your content, keep coming back, refer to you to other people? Yeah. Um, I think another good example of this, and this goes back to social being social. Um, and I know a lot of people within our networks talk about them, but like it's like Queensland police, New South Wales police, yeah. like police. If you think of police outside of social, they're police and they're professional and, yes. you know, but then you look at what they do within the social space and it it makes them a lot more approachable and they have a bit of fun. And I they think they have done that really, really yeah. well because they, you know, that community, I mean, the purpose of the police is to serve and protect the community. And online, they yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're still providing information, but they're trying to do it in an engaging way because they know there is that sometimes disconnect between yeah. how people feel about them. So it is, I think, if you are going to be a brand organization um, that's going to be on social, it's, you can give yourself license to have a bit of fun with it. It's a fun platform. We should have fun. Yeah. We need more fun. It doesn't need to be perfect either. Oh, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, the other aspect of brand personality I just wanted to touch on because we have um, talked a lot about, you know, how you talk and how you act. And traditionally, it was very much to do with your written content. But obviously, that's getting more into video. So the actual talking and podcasting and things like that coming into it. Um, but the visuals and the look as well. And I know this is something I've seen a number of brands in particular do really well on Instagram um, is have a really clear color palette. Yes. So there's certainly ways you can do this in all aspects of, of social with incorporating um, corporate colors or logos or start like image styles. And that can go back to your um, overall branding strategy that the organization would have. Um, but yeah, I've, like I mentioned, seen this in Instagram with not only that consistent use of color through the feed or two or three key colors, but even always using the same filter on yes. Instagram. So people, it's one of those subtle things that before people even see the little circle logo, they'll know that it's an update from this brand XYZ because that's brand, yeah. part of their um, style and, and, and their strategy. And there's an account that we love. I know. We are obsessed with this account, <laughs> aren't we? So if you haven't seen it, go and check out Hello Tiger Chocolate on Instagram. Um, it's 
absolutely amazing what they do with their images. Every single image links to the next and up the one above and below it and it's just incredible and they've got videos in there and I don't know who does it but it's, it's shout out to amazing. you yeah so I love your Instagram feed <laughs> um cool so the foundations those three core foundations of your strategy aims and objectives target audiences and brand personality before we jump into Kind of the fun stuff, the engaging <laughs> aspects. Another important aspect to talk about with developing a strategy is identifying at the start your available resources. Yes, and be real about it. It's so important. It's so important. I always say, you know, we could come back, you know, when you're developing a strategy for a client, we could create this huge, amazing strategy that's going to achieve all of these goals. But if you don't actually have the resources to implement and manage it, it's not a valuable or a successful strategy. Yeah. Okay. So just having an understanding, having a real and honest conversation with, with yourself about your resourcing. So like Eric, like you said, the people, the time and the money. Um, and that's, you know, you can have big lofty dreams about where you want to be, but you just, you really need to be realistic about what's possible. Um, I get a lot of people like, oh yeah, I can, I can commit three full-time days a week. And it's like you do everything in this. You're a business of one. Um, you know, how are you going to commit three full-time days a week to do, to executing a social media strategy? Like that's not realistic. What's realistic is you've got two hours a week and that's okay because you just start from somewhere. Just start somewhere. Yes. That's going to be your baseline. Yes. And do that consistently because really, yeah. and this is one of the questions um, that we do often get is, you know, how long, this is, how long is this going to take? How much time is this, is this going to take? And really, if a strategy is working, you know, if you know who you're talking to, know what you want to achieve, um, and you do have some resources to start with, really it should end up taking more and more time over time because Mm -hmm. it should be growing. You should be getting more engagement. You should be creating more content. It should be adding into the business, but you've got to start somewhere realistic as well. Again, maybe it's looking at your resources from the start, but usually I find at about this point, so on our fourth point now, (laughs) you've already got a bit of an idea about what you want to achieve, who you're trying to talk to and what your brand is. It's a good time to go, okay, let's get a little bit real before we start getting into the nuts and bolts Mm. of this strategy. And perhaps that is going to mean actually phasing what we do, because at this stage we have one person internally who can commit this much time to it, but this is what we can look to doing or this is the bit of our budget that we've got carved out for Mm -hmm. it and we've just got to see what we can make work and we can still have some great ideas, but we know we're going to have to shelve some of these for down the track. So So resourcing people, time and money. Make sure that's all jotted down in your strategy there. Cool. So we're going to wrap up on our last few components here. I'm probably going to go through them a little bit more quickly because, like I said, having that foundation should really lead into all of these other areas. Um, And the next three are kind of rolled in together in your overall engagement tactics. (laughs) And they are. (laughs) And these should really, when you're coming up with any of these, just keep asking those questions. Does it um, serve our aims and objectives? Does it suit our target audiences? Does it suit our brand? And then also, can we resource it? Yeah. So uh, first one, content strategy. Content, absolutely fundamental to any type of marketing that you're doing. Um, because content is still king. It, it is. I know some people get real. I had to pull that from a slide recently Did because you? someone was like, oh, no, I saw your slides and our 
brand manager, whatever, is so sick of that saying. I'm like, but it's, but it's true. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. Um, and just to touch on that, the reason we kind of separate out content and channel is because ideally, obviously, we're talking social strategy, but ideally, you're making pieces of content that can live across various yes. channels. So your website can use on email marketing. How can you repurpose it? Because it would really suck for you to spend a lot of time creating one really great piece of content that has, you know, a, a lifespan of an hour and a half on Facebook. We don't want to <laughs> see that happening. We want to see you doing, you know, creating these things that can be repurposed. Um, so, yeah, so like Jessica, we do talk about channels in this second part, um, but starting with, with content because when I find as well, you can get this real tunnel vision when people go, okay, what are we doing on Facebook? Yeah. And having perhaps starting there before they're actually asking those questions about well, who are our target audience mm. and what kind of content can we create. So we like to start really big picture with thinking about content and going back to, okay, what's all the content that we have available? Like, yeah. Let's look around within our organization. Do we have an interesting story? Do we have interesting people that we want to put front and center and share team profiles or behind the scenes updates? Yeah. Um, do, do you have case have, studies? Do you have you already made created infographics for something like all of that type of stuff? What you would, I think, if you take the time to have a look around, yeah, you'd have a lot of content. You have so much, and um, one of the things I find as well when I'm uh, either working with clients or trying to develop these strategies is people like, oh, we just do it, it's just boring. Like nobody wants to hear about mm. that. You know, that's and you the things might be commonplace to you because you do them every day. Yes. But, again, it's social media and it's a little bit voyeuristic. People like to see what other people are doing. The behind-the-scenes aspect of, that brands and businesses can do on social is really exciting to I, a lot I of people. I have another example for this. Am I allowed to give it? Yeah. It's a really basic one. I use it a lot when I talk about strategies and content. You know, before I worked at the winery, I mean, I love a good glass of wine. I didn't really understand when, what went into a bottle of wine. You know, it was either a yum or yuck for me kind of thing. And when I went to the store, it was like, oh, that label's pretty. I'll get that, which I'm sure a lot of people start out that way. Um, and it wasn't until I worked at the winery that I realized and saw, and probably because I was new to the wine industry, what actually went into a bottle of wine. And so I still think of it as a missed opportunity for wineries. So if you're a winery, listen up, um, cre creating this vineyard to bottle and telling that story really well. Um, because a lot of people, like we're lucky here in Adelaide that we've got so many wineries that we can go to the cellar doors. Some of them give tours during vintage, all of these things. So you can see that process. But if you've got, you know, a customer base that is in regional Australia or overseas, they may not be able to come to your business and do these behind the scene things. So I think social is a perfect way to help make them feel part of of your story, your brand, your family, however you want to say it. So that's one thing we did at the winery was I basically had the um, winemakers. We picked a, a row of vines and I said, okay, every week I need one photo a week. And we turned it into this really great piece of content. And it ended up being like uh, a, one of our best performing pieces of content for people outside of Adelaide. That's fantastic because that was a huge audience. I yeah. know the one you're talking about yeah. as well. And from a tourism perspective for a lot of businesses, that's – That was the draw card. It was like come in and you can get a tour of this and, and you know, especially during vintage. And, t and taking those opportunities to sit down with people who are part of your business. I also remember another piece of content that worked really well was um, one of the owners would always say – 
I think it's like five weeks after you see the first almond blossom, you'll see the first bud burst on the vines. And I was like, there's no way. And then I actually tracked it and it was like, this is amazing. So we turned that into a kind of a fun fact, did you know, from the winemaker. Love and, fun facts. Yeah. And so it's also just listening for those opportunities as well. Mm. I find so much with the clients that I work with is, yeah, they'll tell me that nothing's going on. And then you spend <laughs> half an hour, an hour talking with them or having a coffee. Like, okay, you've actually just told me yeah. six things that are going yeah. on in your business that are, that are really kind of amazing. Yeah. And even things like, oh, this happened a couple of times where they're like, oh, yeah, we're moving office. Why aren't you telling anybody? No one wants to know that. Yeah. I'm like, well, where are you moving? That's an interesting building. Yeah. Are you moving because you've hired 10 more people yeah. and you've grown and you've added all this on? It's like people like to know that yeah. stuff. Think about, again, going back to why would you be friends with someone and what do you talk about? Mm. People share when they change jobs. People yep. share what's going on in their in their lives. Yeah. This is you sharing what's going on in your life as well as other content, like Jen said, like case studies or you might have a specific product information or service mm. information or features or benefits or infographics that relate to your products and services. Yeah. But there's so much about the business that is social. Mm-hmm. Um, so brainstorming all of that type of type of content, and that can be a little bit overwhelming. But really trying to earmark what are the types of content that relate best to your aims, objectives, audiences, brand yep. <laughs> that you can actually create. Yeah. Um, and another thing that we love is creating those those series of content as mm-hmm. well. So things that you can actually repeat. So it's nice to have you know once off pieces, but hopefully not once off and then they disappear. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully they live for a bit longer than an hour and a half in your feed. But if it is something like, I mean, this is the example I always use and it's pr- I'm, I'm getting a little bit overdone with it now, <laughs> but the Monday morning motivational quote, yeah. like if it relates to your audience, if it's something that you can, the quotes that you're picking or the way that you're styling them are really going to resonate. I came across an account today that's F45 memes. <laughs> it's like, oh, specifically, and it's this huge community for people who, because it's, F45 yeah, is a bit it's of a cult. <laughs> and I feel like, I mean, I've never been to one, but I always look in the look in the window. I'm like, wow, you guys are intense. Shout out to anyone who does F45. I'll be down at the local with a glass of wine. <laughs> I wonder if I should start looking for sponsors. For yeah. Um, but yeah, something like that. So they've got like very specific quotes that relate yeah. to that community because they know them so well. Yeah. And that's not an official business or brand. That's just somebody who off their own bat is doing it. Um, but again, yeah, knowing your audience, coming up with something that you can maintain and you can sustain, particularly if it has that goal that you're going, okay, once a week we're going to be doing mm. this or every fortnight we're going to introduce one of our team members, yeah. um, something that fills in those blanks in your content calendar yes, so that you do actually have those regular messages going out. So content, we'll jump onto channels. Yeah. So then you think about your channels. I think um. what's relevant. So obviously – a lot of people want to do all channels and that's, let's get on them and, you know, we'll do Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and we'll be on TripAdvisor and all this. You know, unless you've got a team of like 20 people yeah. um, and kind of unlimited resources, go for it. But a, a lot of you probably don't have that. Even if you are a larger organization, it's not like don't be a jack of all trades, king of none. Start small. Start with one. And for Australia – Usually when I um, do this with a client, it is Facebook just because of the usage and the um, mm. population size and, and things like that. But pick one, phase the other ones out, pick one, do it well. When you get to that point where you're comfortable creating the content, engaging, you're comfortable with the features of that platform, okay, then you can move on to be it Instagram or whatever, you know, whatever your mm. second um, platform is. But 
have an understanding of why you're using that channel as well. You know, when you're reviewing your target audience, if you go through this customer journey or you're doing a bit of research around them, you're like, oh, actually, they don't use Facebook. They're more LinkedIn or they're more, Mm. you know, take that into consideration. Um, I think this is important. Sometimes I'll work with people or, you know, one instance was um, like a luxury real estate. We should be on Snapchat. Well, why? Well, my 14-year-old's on Snapchat and said, we should be on Snapchat. And it's like, you sell properties that start $1.5 million. Do you think that 14-year-old on Snapchat's going to want to see your $1.5 million property? Probably not. Um, But there are some other things we can do. Instagram is highly visualized, you know. So it's and has it's com- the stories and has there. the stories feature, but also Facebook as well. So yeah, just think about don't don't add a channel on there just for channel sake. And in some instances, I put a channels we're not on, and this is why. Yes, that's a, that's so, a good point. I haven't actually done that with the strategies. Yeah, but it probably does answer those questions when you do have people say, "Yeah, why aren't we here?" And we have actually considered it, and this is the reason why. Yeah, um, or like you say, set up that that phased approach with phasing. Um, the channels in as you have the resources and mm. content to sustain them or can see that yeah. they're actually working. And for established organisations, doing part of this strategy may actually be auditing your existing channels yes. and making the tough decision to shut some down yes. if they're not working for you because I haven't seen it as much recently, but I certainly remember kind of back six, eight years ago, it was just, it was very happy with, oh, like, yes. you know, new business, new website, setting up the Facebook and the Twitter and the um, everything LinkedIn because that's what the the logos were on the website. Yeah. So clearly we need to have those channels because the logos are on there, but you can delete the logos yeah. <laughs> yeah. from the website if they're not relevant to you. Yeah. Or, you know, people, staff and team get excited. And so you might do a search and find that you have five Facebook pages. <laughs> yes, there's always that as well. Yeah. So they can actually get into a bigger conversation there. But, um, but yeah, we would say definitely assess where your target audiences are, where are they getting information, where, they're, where are they going to be open to getting information yeah. about your organization as well. So they might tend to be using you know, a lot of your audiences might technically be using Facebook, but if they are using it for more social aspects and you're a uh, conveyancer. Yeah. <laughs> your audience is it's probably, probably some great conveyances yeah. on Facebook, <laughs> but a brand that doesn't lend itself as naturally yeah. to some of those channels. You know, yeah. that you're probably looking at LinkedIn there because LinkedIn yes. grows it. LinkedIn usage is growing. It is. So yeah. It's just being mindful, well. mindful of the um, channels. I've, I've, do you have to remind me? I have that conversation prism. You yes, should add that. That's oh, the Brian Solis yes. conversation prism. You look at it and it's a, the number of platforms that you can be on is insane. It's overwhelming. It's yeah. overwhelming. And that can be hard as well because I think it's easy. And even with our training, we do tend to talk about the big four more. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly not to discount the niche platforms, but it does come back to knowing your audience. Yeah where you're potentially going to get the best reach, because even though we talk about individual personas, we are, in a lot of cases, strapped for resources and time. So you do want to get the best response for the input that you put in. So focusing on some of the bigger ones might be it, but it could even be Pinterest. I know. I was just going to say. Pinterest isn't even, like, it's not a small platform. It is. No, it's not a small platform. Usage here is quite small, though. However, I actually just um, read some stuff about Pinterest that they're introducing a shopping cart. So, for example, yes, Australian usage of Pinterest is um, is not it's not very common. But if your company 
wants to get into the overseas market, i.e. the U.S., and your target audience is a Midwest wife wow. who loves Pinterest, you can now sync up your online shop so that she can shop directly from Pinterest. I feel like we need to talk specifically about that later. I know. <laughs> I feel like I need to do some shopping on Pinterest. <laughs> um, but yeah, so but, but also being aware of these changes. So if, you know, if I'm working with a client where their target audience or like we want to do a lot more overseas, I've just read this. It's time for me to go back to the strategy. Just review, a quick review, target audiences, goals, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, well, we were using Facebook and now I actually want to bump Pinterest up from a tertiary down the road mm. um, thing that we're going to do to we're going to actually focus on that next over Instagram. Yes. And even having this strategy, I mean, it, there are some kind of new and niche platforms that pop up every now and then. Mm. And a lot of them don't hang around for no. a while. So that's the kind of the bit of the risk. I love that. <laughs> it's the new Facebook. It's not. <laughs> um, but by having this strategy, it can actually allow you to assess these opportunities when they come up, mm. either channel-specific ones or even channel features that come up. So something like Facebook Live has been around for a while now, but I know that's um, an area that a lot of organisations are still trying to figure out how they can factor it in. But you can look at either the new channel or the new feature and go back and go, well, okay, is there a way that this could help us achieve our aims and objectives? Is it something that our target audience are using? Like Mm. are our audience tuning into Facebook Lives or are they not the kind of the – type of people who tend to watch video or live streaming video, does it suit our brand? Do we have content that we can use on it? And can we actually resource it? Mm-hmm. And then you can make that decision and go, yes, yeah. we, like, just like you said with the Pinterest example, okay, we're going to spend some time developing some um, Facebook Live content or Instagram TV or Instagram stories, mm-hmm. or actually we can't resource that at the moment. We can't justify that we're doing it. You know, maybe we'll pop it into the strategy as a potential idea yeah. that we'll look at next Later on, or, yeah or something. So um, so having this is going to make those decisions much easier. Um, and there was a great suggestion that you made, Jen, about putting in the strategy things that you're not doing Yes, and why you're not doing them as well. <laughs> yeah. um, so that there is, is that record of, of those conversations, particularly in case they change. Uh, cool. So campaign strategy, just kind of rounding out our engagement tactics component of the strategy. Um, and I look at campaigns as there's lots of different ways you can look at campaigns, but these are um, kind of extra activities that might complement that day-to-day mm. posting and activity or that regular schedule. And we haven't even touched on something like email marketing. No. If you're thinking of more of a full digital marketing strategy, it may encompass your blog content, how often you're posting to blogs, um, how often you're sending out your emails, the content in there as well. Um, but your campaigns may be, I mean, they are mini strategies in themselves. Yeah. If you've got a particular thing that you want to do over vintage using mm-hmm. the winery example, or if you know you're having a Christmas sale or... I mean, Lots I of seasonal. Think like, I always think seasonal, seasonal yes. packages, seasonal offerings. Um, sometimes they'll have a, just a bit a tightened up version of the strategy of who specifically you're talking to of your, all your target audiences. You may only need to target one you know, like one of those three mm. primary target audiences. It's usually over a couple of channels. Um, there's pretty um, distinct marketing assets that go, go with it. So, you you know, a lot of the times it's like we have this set of photos, this set of videos for that campaign. So you're looking at um, layering that into your, like you said, your day-to-day, your evergreen yeah. content. Um, and even, I mean, this could have its own section all of itself. And I know you speak about this a lot more in all of the workshops that you do, Jen, but... Um, considering your social media advertising. Oh, yes. So campaigns often 
go hand in hand with social media ads because yep. there is they often have a return on investment that people yep. want to get for them, a really clear financial outcome mm-hmm. often. So making sure it's getting to the right people and being able to target more specifically rather than going, you know, relying on organic reach or lack of organic reach um, or getting to a certain audience, you can you can do that more with social ads. So part of that campaign strategy may actually be, okay, what is our social media ads strategy? And budget. <laughs> and budget <laughs> um, to help achieve our goals there. So we might have to do another one all on social media ads actually because <laughs> we're cramming a lot into this I today. Know. So, so skipping over those um, – So consider breaking up your engagement tactics into those three areas. So first of all, thinking about content strategy and brainstorming all the different types of content you already have, um, the types of content your audience might resonate with, what might relate to your brand, even user-generated content like you mentioned at the start, what kind of content could you potentially get from your audience um, or they can help you with that content. And then consider which channels are going to relate best to your audiences, help you achieve those aims and objectives, help deliver the content. So if you do have highly visual content, then consider the highly visual channels, which admittedly Mm. a lot of them are quite visual these days. Yeah, yeah. because where you can repurpose content across across channels, it's going to give you more longevity and, and investment or return on investment for the energy and time put into creating them. Um, and then consider those campaign strategies as well. So potentially seasonal campaigns, pulling out those specific aims and objectives, specific audiences, specific um, bits of content that can help help you achieve those that, that may have a social advertising mm-hmm. budget as well. So two more points to finish up with is... My little drum roll. Measurement strategy. We love numbers. <laughs> Anyone who knows Jen and I knows how much we love reporting and numbers. It is bang on about it. I love so, a good Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> you do. I do. <laughs> Jen's taught me so much about Excel. <laughs> it's a bit scary. So um, your measurement strategy, this is really going to help you understand whether or not your strategy is working, which really the strategy is the plan for how to achieve your goals. The measurement's absolutely essential. And like we said at the start, the reason we look at um, aims and objectives is because those objectives should be really specific and measurable and allow you to then easily in your measurement strategy go, well, our aim was to increase brand awareness. Our objective that we identified was we were looking to achieve a particular reach or attracted a certain number of subscribers mm-hmm. or I get a particular engagement rate. So it actually gives you those metrics that you can measure back against to see whether or not what you're doing is working. Yep. And numbers don't lie. This is the thing with a strategy. You can, and why they need to be quite flexible as well, is you can spend a lot of time developing it, but some things might not actually work. Yeah. And you do need to give them a good chance. Like if you post your first motivational quote and it falls flat, it doesn't necessarily mean that motivational quotes aren't going to work. Um, so you've got to give things a little bit of time. Yeah. Maybe it's the styling or the time or making sure that the actual message is is really right. Having these points that you are looking at the numbers and mm-hmm. making that assessment to understand is this working or not. We could and, do a whole podcast on reporting. We could. <laughs> I think we've got about eight subtopics that we've <laughs> so really the the measurement component should be used to go back and refine the strategy and that's yep. where we say it's, it should be a dynamic document a living breathing document that you can go okay this is what we wanted to achieve have we been able to achieve it let's be honest and if we haven't is it because our content was off the mark mm. we're not talking to the right audience we haven't resourced this appropriately the you channel's haven't been wrong consistent haven't been consistent 
Or do we actually have to look back at our aims and objectives? Were they right? Yeah. Is there something we need to change? Is there something we need to add? Um, and being really honest and, and knowing that those those changes need to occur rather than just persisting for months and months and months with something that's clearly not working. Mm-hmm. So measure, measure, measure. Um, and the other, the last component that you need to factor into your overall strategy is having an implementation the plan. The doing. The doing. You actually have to do all this You now. have to do the do yeah. to get it done. Yep. And that's where I think, um, you know, we were talking earlier about a phased approach and a roadmap and all of these things. That's, that is the time that you sit down and commit the time to creating the content, to creating the audiences, you know, um, creating the community and engaging with them. So the implementation plan really should outline some very clear tasks and responsibilities to help you get this strategy up and running. And particularly if you already have an existing online presence, some of those activities might be updating or shutting down or Mm. changing, and that needs to be worked into having a natural flow. So you don't want to, you know, overnight, it might not be changing everything that you're doing, but but working that in and making it really manageable. And again, that can be a tough thing to plan and really mm-hmm. does need that planning, but actually having it clearly documented um, with those responsibilities is going to get you through it. It will. It really will. Yes. You can do it. Yes. We you believe in it. you. So hopefully we haven't completely <laughs> overwhelmed you with that. <laughs> I want you to be all excited woo, about planning strategy because... Honestly, like we said at the part, at the start, um, having that strategy is going to help you get where you want to go yeah. and answer the questions for you along the way and save the time with all the back and forth and wondering and decision-making mm-hmm. and, and really smooth that. So just quickly to recap those points, our key components of a strategy that you can also download from the diagram on the website, check out the show notes, um, aims and objectives, target audiences, brand personality, available resources, content strategy, channel strategy, campaign strategy, measurement strategy, and implementation plan. Wrapping up, a couple of quick tips on how to best develop a strategy. Take the time. Commit the time to doing a strategy. And there's lots of, you know, we've got a workshop. There's lots of workshops and trainings and stuff, but I think a strategy realistically can't, it can't be done in 24 hours. No. Like, you know. For some strategies, for me, it takes three to four weeks because I have to do these things in chunks and sit down and have that quiet time to think Um, about the target audiences, think about what that customer journey is, think about the content, do a little bit of research as well. But I think um, that's the first thing is that I would say is, yeah, just commit the time to do it mm -hmm. because it you you'll you'll be thankful in the the end. The other thing that I'd recommend is make sure you get all of the key stakeholders involved. While we've obviously talked about some examples that we give when we develop strategies for clients, we're not creating them completely independently. We're kind of responsible for pulling them together, but we're doing that based on conversations and research and really honest, raw discussions that we've had with the people in the organisation and the important people in the Mm organisation. Um, and this might be getting your entire team involved because yeah. if they're going to be responsible for supporting it and implementing it, get them on board rather than it being one person's own personal strategy yeah. um, or their perception of how they think the organisation should run or, or, or what people want. Because yeah. um, you can you can get so much valuable information from 
the people within your organisation, yeah. particularly those that are on the front lines of dealing with your customers or your clients. I agree. <laughs> Making it dynamic and manageable. And this, I think this goes back to it, it has to be a fluid and living document. Um, and it, obviously you don't want it to be a gajillion pages. It won't be a gajillion pages. The ones um, that I used to write like I know. years ago. Massive. Yeah. And now I, I even find some of the strategies I do have, have been streamlined because they are this. I realize I don't, you don't have to know what your five year plan is because I am going back to this document every six months, you know, mm. and having a look or, and, or, you know, that plus doing an actual sitting down, setting the time to do an annual review yes. of what's happened and, um, what's worked. So you're combining your annual review or whatever it is with the reporting, hopefully that you've done what's worked, what hasn't, you know, has anything in the business changed in the last year? Have you grown? Have you, you know, are there more target audiences? How does that fit in? Are there more features? If Facebook live, Instagram stories, um, you know, Instagram live, if you create a lot of video content or you do, um, you do a lot of behind the scenes or whatever, you know, if those aren't part of your strategy already, you need to make those part of your strategy because it's a great way to get your tell your story to those audiences. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just about developing the strategy in that in that case, or even implementing it, but managing the strategy itself yeah. as well as the the activities and the outcomes that that fall out of it. Um, there's a few organisations I've worked with where on all of their um, agendas for their regular, what they have monthly or fortnightly meetings, they'll have their aims and objectives at mm. the top. So everything they their visual, they're on this document and we're referring to them. That's so a good idea. any question that comes up, yeah, it works really well. Oh, really? I'm borrowing that idea. <laughs> you can take it. Um, so we actually have that front of mind when anybody comes up with a new idea during the meeting, we can quickly go, okay, is it going to help address any of these things? Do we keep it on the list, put it as a new item or mm. shelve it for later as well? So yes, yeah, so obviously refer back to that strategy. Don't just make it a document that sits on the wall. Even if you are doing some of the activities that are in there, it's about keeping it really front of mind. And like Jen yeah. said, having some regular checkpoints throughout the year where you're reminded, like put it as tasks in your calendar to go back yes. and review it. Yeah. Have it front of mind on those meeting sheets. Um, have a summary that's up on the wall somewhere or in front of people so that it is that living, breathing document that grows with you and improves over time as well. So thank you very much for your time Of course, today, anytime. Jen. Jen will like you back. We can say friend of the show. Yes. <laughs> I think we have lots more to talk about. Um, so a couple of questions to finish up with you, Jen, because sure. we do have a training bent in this podcast yes. is providing practical tips, tools, and advice that um, marketers and business owners can implement and we do have a lifelong love of learning. So what are you learning at the moment? What am I learning at the moment? Um, so one thing I think I'm learning at the moment, trying to teach myself, is, you know, I talk a lot. I talk to a lot of people about working on a lean and mean budget, um, which I love doing. But one of the things is really having that honest conversation with yourself about what can I actually do? So one of the things I started doing probably two or three weeks <laughs> I love ago it. I know what she's gonna say um, <laughs> is, you know, because a lot some people who come to the workshop or people who want to meet with me, they are a team of one. And I'm always going on about Instagram stories and you need to try this and you need to do that. But then, yeah, it, I think, but yeah, about a month ago, I was like, okay, I'm also a team of one. 
if I'm telling people to do Instagram stories, how logistically is this going to happen? So um, I took something that I love. I love cooking. I don't really know if I'm that great of a cook, but I like to cook. Um, And I started doing Instagram stories myself on my own personal Instagram account. And it's more so trying to figure out if I'm by myself and I need to show XYZ process, how am I going to do this? But then how am I going to relay that to my client? Ah, so you're, you're learning the logistics yes. firsthand. Yes. And then how you can actually teach and pass those yeah. learning. So on. it's like, um, do I need a tripod? Okay. In theory, a tripod worked. But now that I've done this, it's like actually a tripod's useless. Like ah. what I need is this mic thing that I've always said, you know, if I've always said talk louder or whatever, but no, I actually scratch that. I want to get the mic. So it's figuring out those types of things. And then I really want to be able to show work with my clients or work with people who are interested in doing this on their own, like figuring out logistically how to make this quite easy. Because cooking, obviously, you take a 15 minute recipe, (laughs) it should take 15 minutes, you add Instagram stories into the mix, it now takes me half an hour, 40 minutes, because then I'm like, Oh, I'll add this gif. And I want to like add some text and do all of these things. So that's probably what I'm focusing on now is I do talk a lot about again, like lean and mean working um, with what you have. But I I want to do more around the logistics, especially with these new features that are coming up on the platforms and figuring out a way to make it easy and kind of empower people to feel like they can do it. I, th- I find the cooking ones easy because, I mean, if I can, well, if one, if I can cook a dish, it's like the first time I cooked crispy pork. Um, that looked amazing. Yeah, that was my very first time, but I had pizza ready to go if that didn't work. Oh, so you had a backup <laughs> yeah. plan. But, it's, but also, you know, I want to help people get comfortable with it. Sometimes it just doesn't go the way you have it, you know, envisioned in your head. And that's fine. And that's part of social is it's fun. And it's, you know, for me, my quote unquote brand, this personal brand is I'm fun and it's okay. If you make a mistake, that's fine. You know, you got pizza on hand or you, you know, whatever it is. So, um, yeah. So does that answer your question? It does. Mm -hmm. It does. No, that's great. And, and I think what's worked really well with the Instagram stories from what I've seen is you've obviously got those learnings, those practical learnings that you can pass on to people, but you've been saving them as story highlights on your Instagram yes. as well so you can show people. So when we're talking about, oh, like, this is all the stuff you can do, yeah. um, you've actually got that to, to show people. Um, Later on. Yes. <laughs> like my fa- I made fat bombs. I totally messed that recipe up. It was kind of I funny. I wonder but- if we should link to that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they actually are. Cool. And I, I, have a f- I think I know what your answer to this question will be. But if there is one skill or area, <laughs> you're laughing already, <laughs> if there is one skill or area that you would encourage others to develop if they want to be prepared to do their best online, what would it be? Getting your shit organized. Seriously, I think, you know, I love doing social. I love digital. I like it because I get results quickly. Um, so I want to know the effort that I put into something, you know, an ad, if I run an ad campaign, I can know within 24 to 48 hours what's working and what isn't. But I think half of doing any kind of digital is being organized. There are a lot of, you can work within content calendars, marketing calendars, you know, a budget within an Excel spreadsheet. You have to commit the time. So it's making sure your calendar is up to date, like your own calendar is up to date, um, knowing where all the platforms you're on. So for example, an accommodation, they're not just on Facebook and Instagram. They probably have TripAdvisor, Expedia. They've got listings on mm-hmm. all those other things. You have to be organized and have all of that in one place. 
in case someone comes along and says, I want to help you update all your locations, and you're like, oh, crap, like, where am I? Let me think about it and think about the usernames and logins and where else are we and all of that. So I think, and I know that everyone's not super organized, but I think there are some basic things that, you know, you can figure out. Even, you know, create a one sheet with quick links to where mm-hmm. all of your stuff is. Um, that's that's key to what, to um, I think, or that's one skill, I would say, to develop that. Mm-hmm. And Excel. Excel. <laughs> particularly given most of us are time poor as well and yeah. a lot of these things feel like they're going to take extra time but when we all complain we've you know we've got so much to do if you're spending you know even if it's minutes trying to locate a login yes. or yeah. a piece of information over or however many clicks you've got to go to find a file yeah that's all time that could be better spent yeah. I even get down to stuff. I even get down to like naming conventions yes. within folders. Um, People um, think it's kind of silly, but the way I, you know, if I've got a folder that's all my Facebook published images, the way I name them is a specific way. It is like an American date way, but that way I can quickly at a glance have a look and say, "Okay, I've really talked up this one particular product or whatever it is." I can tell that from the images that I've posted. So yeah, um, it's you know, w- w- you find find something that works for you, but it has you have to be organized yeah. and love Excel. Just kidding. You don't have to love Excel, but you should be able to. Being time poor, you know, there are a lot of third party tools that Erica and I use as well because we can't sit down and do one report over two days. Like that's just unrealistic. But um, I think you need to have a basic understanding of the formulas within Excel so that if you have to download raw info, raw details, which Facebook. Um, Twitter, all of them have, um, you will know what you're looking for and you know how to get that data quickly. Well, so thank you so much for your time today, Jen. You will definitely be back again. Oh, yes, I will. I'll bring coffee. <laughs> Maybe wine one time. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we it. have talked strategy. Hopefully that's given you some insights into how you can develop or update your own strategy. And like I said, there's details on the website. Check out the show notes, including an overview of that strategy diagram and links to a couple of other resources that we love. If people um, want to find out any more information about you, Jen, and what you do. Uh, professionally, you can head to my LinkedIn profile. Um, Socially, you can head over to Instagram, watch me cook. Um, check out a story. Yeah, check out my stories. See lots of photos of my dogs and wine and coffee. Yeah. It's part of your brand personality. It is. Food, wine, dogs, coffee. That's your own personal strategy. It is. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Dobcast. I hope you feel inspired and prepared to do your best online. If you enjoyed this episode, you can also follow us online. We're at Scout Social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 